Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now age of radio this podcast contains adult content Some of the themes or topics may include information on murder, kidnapping, torture, dismemberment, maybe some demonic content with information on positions and paranormal activity. This podcast will also include explicit, horrible and foul, socially unacceptable, totally uninhibited adult themes language. So if you're easily offended, if you're easily triggered, then I highly suggest you turn this off now. And if not, just keep in mind, parental discretion is advised. Welcome to the 200th episode (laughs) Q&A. All right, got some good questions, and I always have to give a shout-out to the Patreon. I'm not going to name any new Patreon subscribers this week. Next episode, I'll I'll name the new ones, and yeah, if anybody else is interested, it's patreon.com slash mysterious circumstances. We have three different tiers. All of them are fucking cheap, and uh, we do three episodes a month on there, so all kinds of shit. It's just uh, kind of like my regular feed. We do all kinds of stuff. So so with that behind us, let's go ahead and uh, see what kind of questions we got for this bad boy. All right, first one is from Bell. says, when are you coming to Australia? And uh, that's a tough question because I have a lot of people who I want to visit from all over Australia. And I am still a working man. I'm not one of those people who uh, makes millions of dollars off of a podcast. I still have a regular job. So, you know, vacation time, money is always a factor. And the fact that I would love to visit everybody over there from all different regions of Australia. Hopefully, let's plan for 2023. I can get over there then and visit everybody from every region, but that's probably the best answer I can give you, really. Next one we got is from Ashton, long-time listener, super supportive. What's one story or case you refuse to cover? Uh, I'll be honest with you, man, kids' cases. Kids' cases fuck me up just because I have kids, and uh, it's a lot of emotional stress. Because you guys hear a half an hour or an hour long episode and you're like, oh, blah, 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 that was so sad. Imagine being the person who has to scour articles about all the details of those cases. Like, it takes a lot out of you. 
uh, super depressing and stuff like that. And, you know, you get to see a lot more of the evil in the world, I guess you could say. But uh, I still advocate for those cases, obviously. I'm not just going to, like, throw them by the wayside and not try to do anything about them. But covering them is a whole different story. So I usually try to veer away from those. But, yeah. Next one we got is from Christina Johnson. Long-time listener. Love this woman. She is awesome. She says, Out of all the episodes you have recorded, which ones are your favorite? your least favorite, and the one that required the most research. Uh, I have a few favorites. I would definitely say Gerald Haas is probably one of my favorites, which is, uh, it's a more recent case. Uh, Donnie Decker is one of my favorites. That was an early episode. I probably did that one, like, I think four years ago or something. Billy the Kid, Doc Holliday, John Dillinger, uh, those are definitely at the top of my favorites. Uh, least favorite that I personally did not like is probably like the first 20 or 30 episodes because the audio was rough. I didn't know how to edit. Uh, it was basically me sitting down and recording in one shot and then putting it out there as an episode. If I had the time, I would love to re-record some of those episodes, but it's just not feasible. So, I mean, the content is great, but you have to understand it is fucking raw. Because, again, I didn't know how to do any editing, didn't know anything about audio. You guys got to remember, I started in 2016, in April of 2016. This was not a huge genre or anything like that. There wasn't all these podcasts popping up every week. There weren't too many people who were hitting the ground running, so to speak. So, there's that. The one that required the most research, man. John Dillinger required a lot, a lot, a lot of research. And obviously, I know you guys love those episodes. But to be perfectly honest, the hardest one that I had to research was probably Billy the Kid. Just because there is so much that is unknown about his early life. And you gotta try to corroborate that information. Find out what's bullshit, what's real, uh, what's true, all that stuff. So, if I had to say the one that required the most research was probably Billy the Kid, for sure. And it's, it's one of my favorites. Absolutely one of my favorites. But definitely required a lot of research, a lot of time. Uh, Next one, we got Renee, and she says, What case do you think authorities or media have wrong, and why? And I actually replied to her on that one. I said, that's a tough question right there. Authorities, I mean, obviously you're going to have that factor where, you know, sometimes they zero in on a certain suspect, and they get that tunnel vision, and that's not a good thing. All right, and to be honest with you, it's easy for me to sit here and speak in hindsight. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. Nobody likes a Monday morning quarterback or an armchair fucking quarterback or anything like that. So I'm not going to sit here and just bash law enforcement. But when it comes to the media, personally, I don't trust any fucking thing mainstream media says. Because they have an agenda, their job is to put out a headline and get clicks. 
You know what I mean? As long as somebody goes to their website, they're making that ad revenue. It's just like a podcast. When you listen to a podcast with ads in it, you're making them money. It's the exact same thing with mainstream media. And they will fucking sensationalize a headline. And when you actually read the story, it's like, oh, well, that's not exactly what the headline said. And with the media, they're always trying to push a certain narrative. They don't have all the facts right because with them, it's all about being first. It's not about being accurate. It's about being first. So when I see a case in any kind of case in the especially mainstream media, unfortunately, I have to dig around to actually get the real story. Um, What I'll do is Depending on who the media source is, I will directly find an article from their competition, and I'll see that side of it. And then a lot of times, the local media, if you can find an article from the local media, a lot of times you're better off. And it's funny nowadays because people are like, oh, that's not even a credible source. It's from some tiny little media from that town and it's like do they probably have the best and most accurate information on what's actually going on here so don't discount that don't discredit it just because mainstream media won't pick it up so in answer to your question authorities yeah i think they have a lot of cases wrong but there's also a lot of cases that they don't speak on because they keep it close to the vest or whatever the case might be media on the other hand Dude, when media reports on a case, I do not take anything seriously. I take everything with a grain of salt because when it comes to a criminal case or whatever the case might be, and I'm we've all seen this, you know, whether your source is this person or that person, it really doesn't fucking matter. Everybody's trying to push a narrative and get clicks with a headline. They have a lot wrong all the time. I do not trust them. Like, if it's a criminal case, I want to see the court transcripts. I want to watch the trial. I want to, you know, see what all the witnesses actually say. I want to see what's actually going on. So, yeah, when it comes to the media reporting on criminal cases, that makes me laugh. I do not take them seriously. When it comes to authorities, that's hard to say, to be honest. There's probably a lot, but you don't find out until after the fact. So I can't really think of anything in particular right off the top of my head that I think they're wrong about because, like I said, authority figures don't really say much or law enforcement doesn't really say much. It's the media and or the family members that are always trying to put a certain spin on things to make you see it this way or that way or the other way. So... I know that's a shitty answer probably, but it's the most honest one that I can give you. Oh, here's one from Kristen. Is there a case you covered that haunts you? A case that will enter your thoughts randomly and cause you to pause and go look into it again or add it again when it crosses your mind? Uh, Absolutely. Probably the one that haunts me really is April Tinsley because that's local for me. Uh, I grew up about 30 minutes outside of Fort Wayne, and I actually live in Fort Wayne now. And that case, like, we remember that case growing up because April was the same age as me when all that happened. And I was going to cover that case when it was still unsolved, and as I was researching it, they 
got the DNA evidence and actually made an arrest. So that one personally haunts me just because it affected me as a kid. Uh, Like even living on the outskirts of Fort Wayne, I mean, our parents were super weird about letting us go, you know, far away from home without any kind of supervision or without a group of us. You know, before that, it was different. I mean, we would, when we'd go trick-or-treating, it's like, okay, like your, your area is this block, you know, and you could just go alone. It wasn't a big deal. But after that case, because of the circumstances of it and the details of it, a lot of parents, even in the smaller towns surrounding it, just kind of freaked out a little bit. And it's like, what the fuck is going on? So that's one that definitely haunts me. Now, a case that randomly enters my thoughts and stuff like that, I would probably have to say Thelma Todd. Thelma Todd was one of my earlier cases, and that one I actually do look up often just to get more information or see if there's anything new because it is just one of those whodunit type things. I really do not believe at all that she took her own life. Uh, There was definitely some foul play there, but it's just like who, what, why, you know, means, motive, and opportunity. And there's just so many suspects in that realm and the details. So that one I actually do revisit quite a bit. Same thing with Megan Lancaster. That was one that's fairly recent that I do revisit quite a bit because it's just super troubling case. And uh, her sister-in-law, who I interviewed on this podcast about that case, uh, she ended up passing away as well last year. So, you know, a lot of stuff going on there. I do revisit that quite a bit. Next one is from Heather Wright, who is a fabulous podcaster. She's a member of my Facebook group and an awesome, awesome woman. She hosts uh, a few different podcasts, Nature vs. Narcissism, Ohio 88, Status Pending. Awesome friend of mine. She says, if you had the ability to not have a normal job, to pay your bills and survive, etc., What would you love to devote all your time and energy to? Would it still have something to do with what you research and share through your podcast or something entirely different? That is an awesome question because in all honesty, like if I, my podcast paid the bills and it was consistent and stable, I would love to do that. Another thing I would love to do is do research for either some kind of TV show or documentary or another podcast that's that's bigger than mine and that they are millionaires you know but I love doing the research and finding out new things but I also love presenting it because a lot of times I see podcasts who present information in a very biased way and you know sometimes they look at history through a 2022 lens and I don't think that's right I think it's when you when you cover these cases you have to present the facts and the evidence, and unfortunately, it's okay to be emotional, but you can't present that emotion or your opinion as fact, and I think that's where a lot of podcasts fuck up nowadays, and that's why I I honestly quit listening to a lot of them because of that. You know, it is what it is to each their own, I suppose, but that's not really my style, But yeah, I would like to research or do the podcast full time for sure. 
Let's go ahead and take a little break here, play some commercials. I'll meet you guys back here in a few minutes. And we're back. Um, This one is from Chris Decker. Did you ever have a guest on that you couldn't stand? If so, how did you handle it? (laughs) I tell you what, Chris, I'm very weird about who I have on the podcast. I try to vet them out beforehand so I don't run into that problem. I will say this, though. Some guests are harder to edit than others. And by that, I don't mean they're bad people or they're what they're saying isn't good i mean like some people that you interview are more comfortable in a interview setting they're used to talking publicly so they don't have a lot of the filler words of um or uh which i mean i still do i get that but when you have an interview with somebody who's never been interviewed before it's a lot of editing a lot a lot of editing It's rough. So, I mean, it's a give and take thing because I love having people on that I can learn about a case or even if they're, you know, like when I did my ghost to ghost MC episode around Halloween, like I love hearing people's stories, but some people are just harder to edit than others because you want that smooth flow. You don't want a lot of the filler words, but you still want it to sound natural. So it's, A lot of work editing, and some people I interview are easier to edit than others. But in all honesty, like I had mentioned, I try to vet people before they come on the podcast, so I don't really have to worry about whether we're going to get along or have something to talk about or whether what they're going to talk about doesn't really matter or, you know, is bad or I don't like them or something like that. So... I hope that answers your question. Next up is Kristen Reed. She says, What was the thing that got you into doing MC? Was it your personal experiences or a story that really piqued your interest in digging deeper into it? That is a great question. It was probably February of 2016. I started getting into podcasts. I was sitting at work and I was tired of hearing the same hundred fucking songs over and over working eight ten hours a day and this was five six days a week so I had heard about podcasts and I wanted to listen to some ghost stories so I found a couple podcasts and listened to that stuff and then I found another podcast that is not around anymore but they presented a case and I was listening to it And I remember being so interested that I took the time to do some research myself. So I started looking into it and I realized that, you know, even for an hour-long episode, they really didn't provide all the information that, and I'm not trying to be petty or mean or anything, but I thought they should have provided more of the information of all suspects and all different theories and this and that and the other, not just stuff that they personally agreed with or disagreed with. So I took about two months, and I I remember I sat down for like a week or two, and I googled straight up how to make a podcast. So I did a bunch of research. You know, I got a host site, cheap host site. I got Podbean, I remember that. And then I went out and bought like a cheap mic, I didn't really think there was a huge quality thing involved with microphones. Obviously, there is. My audio quality is way better now because of that. But, 
yeah, I, I wrote notes. I still write my notes on paper. <laughs> and so, you know, I wanted to do something that I could cover all genres because I grew up on Unsolved Mysteries and shows like that. So I was always into paranormal and, you know, just weird unexplained mysteries or ancient artifacts that are unexplained or hard to explain or out of place artifacts or, you know, missing people's cases or anything like that. So I wanted to start a podcast to talk about all that stuff because it was something I've always been interested in. You know, it's something I didn't get tired of talking about. So with Paranormal, I honestly thought about going into that first just because I get into it. I've had so many of my own experiences, but I'm also super skeptical about a lot of stuff and about a lot of stories, but because I want to believe, I want to be scared, I want to see ghosts, all that stuff. And with my own personal experiences, I had seen all that stuff, and I mean, I'm a believer, but... You also go to a bed and breakfast, you know, in the middle of nowhere that has all these ghost stories and they, they they make money on that. They sell that story or those stories. Yeah, that's where I was I was kind of like, well, you know, the history doesn't really match up with the story you're telling me. So, you know, you guys just bullshitting like what's going on? So, you know, I wanted to go that route for a while, but I came up with Mysterious Circumstances and it left me open to cover a lot of different topics. So, I don't know, that's kind of the route I went. And, yeah, that's basically how I started my podcast. I listened to my first podcast in about February of 2016, and I released my first episode in April of 2016. And like I said, the whole editing and stuff like that, it took me a couple years to really nail that down and nail down my flow huge learning experience. I didn't have any help. I didn't have anybody to help me or ask questions or advice on this, that, and the other. I do remember my first person, his name was Paige Hubler. He was from Oregon, I believe. And he sent me like my first 20 bucks to buy a better mic. And I will never forget that. I was ecstatic. I loved it. it I was just like, oh my God, people are actually listening to this. And, uh, so yeah, Paige, if you're still listening, man, thank you, dude. I don't, I did not forget that. And I never will. Cause that was just like the best thing ever. And then, uh, he he was the one who suggested the Haley Cummings episode. So yeah, that's how you got that episode right there. He, he's like, I have a suggestion and I'm going to send you 20 bucks by a better mic. So <laughs> instead of an $8 microphone, I had a $20 microphone and it just kind of went from there, but yeah, it was pretty fun. I don't know. That's kind of how I got into it, I guess. I just, I don't know. I I figured if, if somebody else can do it, then I can do it. Kind of simple, I suppose. Um, Next question is from Dustin Glenn Anderson. And he says, thoughts on the Atlanta child murders. Is Wayne Williams really guilty? Now, for those of you regular listeners or anybody in the group, you guys know that I do not like to speak on cases that I am not very in-depth with. So I will be 100% honest. I have not looked into these cases to the extent of where I feel I should have an opinion on them. So I really don't know, man. I I wish I could give you a better answer than that. But I, I can't. I can't. In good conscience, I can't. So I'm sorry. I will look into them. 
Uh, eventually, I do know we have a team from the Case Breakers because I'm a member of the Case Breakers. So I do know we have a team that is actually um, trying to find a couple extra bodies. But uh, whether he's guilty or not, I really can't say. I haven't dove into it deep enough to have an opinion. So I apologize, man. He also asked, what do I think happened to John Dillinger? <laughs> um, personal opinion. Oh man, if I had to put money on it, I'd probably say 60-40, he died at the biograph. A lot of the evidence presented that he survived is not hard evidence, it's circumstantial, and you guys heard me in that three-part series I just did about his death, and I wasn't trying to beat up on J. Robert Nash, but... You know, when you consult people who agree with you, it's it's hard. It's like, man, you did you how many people did you consult with? Because you always see it's reported. It's like, well, I consulted with this expert and they agreed with me. Okay, how many other experts did you consult with that disagreed with you? Or did you just meet with the one guy that agreed with you? Like it, shit like that drives me crazy because if you were researching something to prove a certain point or prove a certain narrative, you're not doing due diligence. Uh, as you guys heard, like my interview with Stephen Rossmore, you know, he's straight up said, he's like, dude, I was a doctor for fucking years. Like if I saw that, I would not think really anything of it. The autopsy report does not even have any fucking red flags in it at all. You know, so... He even said he was disappointed. He goes, I was really looking forward to finding some weird stuff, but he goes, I looked through the autopsy report, da-da-da-da-da, and I'm not seeing anything here that says it's not him or that he couldn't have been an active bank robber because of that particular um, heart condition. So I think a lot of the research done in that particular case of John Dillinger and I just don't think it was done objectively <laughs> I think you know with any documentary anything like that you have that level of bias and that's not a good thing I really don't think so and I mean yeah it gets views and people watch it on TV or people buy a book and whatever else and that's cool and like please I always highly suggest please go buy J. Robert Nash's books on the topic he's written fucking three of them just on this subject and they are fucking phenomenal and they go into detail and they are amazing but you also have to keep in mind that what you're reading or looking at might not be as objective as what you think it is. So you you always have to keep that shit in the back of your mind. I, like, it's not my job to fucking push a narrative and tell you guys what you should think or anything like that. It's my job to provide you with all the details and you can make up your own fucking minds. I'm not your mind controller. I'm not your handler, you know, and all this, that, and the other. So I've always been really, really adamant about that. But yeah, like I said, if I had to put money on it, I'd say he died at the biograph until I see some kind of hard evidence that might suggest 
you know, he didn't. And there is a lot of good evidence, circumstantial, you know, for the most part. That's kind of where I stand. And I hate saying that because I'm an Indiana boy. And like I had said in that episode several times, if there's 10 people in this world who want that fucking dude to have lived or have done as much research as me and some of the other people who have researched this topic, like I wanted that dude to live so fucking bad. But at this point in time, I really can't say definitively that he did. I would probably veer more towards he actually died at the biograph. So, unfortunately, that's my opinion. Now, another question that I did get was about Jean-Benet Ramsey. That was from Instagram. What is my thoughts on that? And I'll be honest, I've looked into the case. I haven't gone as in-depth as a lot of people, but I have gone pretty fucking far down that rabbit hole. And I know a lot of you are going to just be shitty when I say this, but I don't think it was her brother. I think it was a, I think it was an intruder. And like I said, I know people are not going to agree with me. That's fine. You know, it's not a huge deal. It's an unsolved case still. So at the end of the day, the case is still unsolved. So you're not right. And I'm not right. It's still an unsolved case, but I do think it was an intruder. I don't think it was her brother or, you know, like a family member or whatever. Uh, that's kind of what I think about that. And like I said, I know some of you are getting shitty about that. And that's fine, like I said, but case is still unsolved. You're not right. I'm not right. So next one is from Dave Ponce. Huge listener. Super supportive too, man. I always appreciate you, Dave. Your top 10 list of places you would like to visit. Oh, man, that's a tough top 10 list. Number one on my list would probably be France, right up around the port city of Le Havre. That's where my family is from. My mother's side came over here after World War II, and I would love to go there. My sister has gone there, and, like, I've met my cousins and some of my uncles and shit. They've come over to America but I would really like to go out there and just see the landscape and the countryside. I've heard it's really just beautiful. Uh, another place would be Switzerland. I am obsessed with Switzerland. It is such a beautiful fucking country. Um, same thing with Sweden. Definitely Australia, England, Ireland. I'm obsessed with castles. So Germany is, of course... Uh, Castle Factor, Germany, and uh, Ireland and England are definitely at the top of the list. Uh, I'd love to visit Argentina, and I'd love to go to Hawaii sometime. It's not a, obviously not a country, but definitely a place I'd like to visit sometime. I'm always down to go to New Orleans because I fucking love that city. It is probably my favorite city on this planet, so... The architecture and the history is just awesome, and I love the culture there. But yeah, there's there's a few of them there on my list for sure. Uh, another question I got was from Dustin Glenn Anderson again. He says, thoughts on the 1973 movie Dillinger vs. Public Enemies? This is a great question because both are fucking great movies. And here's why. The Public Enemies movie with Johnny Depp is a phenomenal movie. Unfortunately, a lot of it is Hollywooded up. 
some of the conversation, if they were personal conversations, we don't know what was said or what wasn't said, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, the ending in particular definitely didn't happen that way. I will say this, though. The director of Public Enemies is specifically known for being extremely accurate with little details. And when I watched that movie after I did, because I watched it before a couple times, because I've always been into John Dillinger. I'm from Indiana. You know, he's a fucking folk hero here. So when I first watched that movie, loved it, of course. But after I did the research and watched it, I was like, holy shit, man, this dude really went through and through with tiny, minute details that were accurate as fuck. Like, if you watch the Public Enemies movie, when he's breaking out at Crown Point, there's a scene where he goes over to one of the one of the cars before he steals Sheriff Holly's car, and he goes and starts pulling distributor cap plugs out of the car so that they can't follow him. That was a minute detail that I was super surprised was in there. Another one is the director actually did the research on the Little Bohemia shootout. And he did the research to the fact that all the federal agents were actually placed where they were when it happened. So that scene is fucking accurate as hell. Super accurate because the director went through and did that research. And he did it in the same time of year. And he did it at the same time of night. So I appreciate things like that when it comes to Hollywood. If I had to lay it down, I'd say, I don't know, 60% accurate for the most part. You know, maybe a little bit more. Now, the 73 movie Dillinger, which is free on YouTube right now. uh, YouTube has a bunch of free movies on there, and Dillinger is one of them. That movie is a gem, and it is not very well known. I don't, you know, when I saw it, I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, let's watch it. And I watched it. And I say, let's watch it like I was fucking with somebody. I watched it by myself. But I watched it and little details again. I even commented in the comments. I said, this is a fucking hidden gem of a movie and surprisingly accurate. And I highly suggest anybody go watch that movie. Like I said, it's for free on YouTube. You know, it's not bootlegged or anything like that. YouTube has movies now for free. And, uh, it is such a great movie, pretty good acting. It's not really high budget. It was a pretty low budget movie, but still really, really fucking good. So yeah, I think that's all I got for you guys. Those were all the questions. Not too many, surprisingly, but eh, I'm not mad about that. Pretty short, sweet, simple. <laughs> I don't know. My first Q&A I did, I actually had a lot more questions. I don't even know if that's still up, to be honest with you. I might have deleted it off the feed, but I don't know. I do a lot of Q&As live in the Facebook group. I do know that. Those are fun because I'm just answering questions as people are you know, asking them, and we get to talk about stuff, and I do do that. So if you haven't had a chance to join the Facebook group, look up Mysterious Circumstances, hit the group button, Answer the questions or my my good trusty admin will not let you in. So, yeah, there's that. But I don't know. I suppose I'll rattle off some shit here. If you want to follow me on Instagram, you can go to mysterious underscore podcast. If you want to hit me up on Twitter, you can go to podcast MC. 
you want to find me on Facebook, not hard to find, just type in Mysterious Circumstances. You can go to the page, the group, whatever the case might be. Uh, I am on TikTok. I am Burn It All 13, which is the same as my personal Instagram, which you guys are allowed to follow. I don't care if you follow me on my personal Instagram. It's a private account, so, you know, if you don't have a real account and you don't actually post stuff, I'm probably not going to accept it, but merchandise, threadless.com, MC Podcast. Then I also have uh, tpublic.com, MC Podcast. Yeah, that's about all I got for you. I hope you enjoyed the Q&A, and until next time, see you on the flip side. <laughs>